This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today, breaking down news of the day. My contributor, none other than the host, Ring of Fire, Farron Cousins. Always a fascinating analysis. Top story of the day. You know, there was a time, ladies and gentlemen, where feckless leaders would debate if America was actually a racist country. And they said this was a legitimate debate. And then it went to America has never been a racist country, never. According to, well, Nikki Haley and Governor DeSantis. So the former governor of South Carolina had this to say. But Governor, I got to ask you, I know you weren't watching the coverage because you told me you had to get right to New Hampshire. But listen to what Joy Reid said of the reason why you lost last night or came in third. Listen. The elephant in the room, she's still a brown lady that's got to try to win in a party that is deeply anti-immigrant. It's still a challenge. I don't see how she becomes the nominee of that party with Donald Trump still around. I can't picture it happening. Maybe it could happen. Ron DeSantis's only argument for staying in it is he's the white guy that he can still make the appeal to white people. Do you agree with her interpretation of the results? I'm, first of all, I mean, Joy Reid lives in a different America than I do. I mean, yes, I'm a brown girl that grew up in a small rural town in South Carolina who became the first female minority governor in history, who became a U.N. ambassador and who is now running for president. If that's not the American dream, I don't know what is. You can sit there and give me all the reasons why you think I can't do this. I will continue to defy everybody on why we can do this and we will get it done. Are you a racist party? Are you involved in a racist party? No, we're, we're not a racist country, Brian. We've never been a racist country. Our goal is to make sure that today is better than yesterday. Are we perfect? No, but our goal is to always make sure we try and be more perfect every day that we can. I know I faced racism when I was growing up, but I can tell you today is a lot better than it was then. Our goal is to lift up everybody, not go and divide people on race or gender or party or anything else. We've had enough of that in America. That's why I'm so passionate about doing this. I don't want my kids growing up where they're sitting there thinking that they're disadvantaged because of a color or a gender. I want them to know that if they work hard, yep. they can do and be anything they want to be in America. Irony of it all. The former governor of South Carolina, who is well acquainted with racism, according to her, says America has actually never been a racist country. Let me dissect the ways here. So now we have gone from saying America is not currently a racist country to America 
has never been a racist country. While at the same time, the person spewing the dishonesty is highlighting her own battles with racism, right? There's something else to this. The actual founding of the nation is your country. That is the DNA of the nation. The founding fathers, they believed that only white men who owned property should be able to participate in democracy. Only white men who owned property could vote. And only white men who owned property could run for public office. Which means that America was not only racist, it was sexist, and it was also ran by oligarchs. Yep, the rich and powerful are the ones who ruled the political systems. Is that not a definition for an oligarch today? Why would that definition all of a sudden be suspended because they also hold the title founding fathers? The declarative documents of our nation calls Native Americans savages, contextualized not only in our documents, but also in early court rulings, which is racist. Why do you think they were called savages? Because white savages wrote the document. That is why. There should be no debate here. Here's what DeSantis said. I want to ask you something that Nikki Haley said earlier today, earlier this morning. She was asked in an interview if the Republican Party was a racist party. And her response was, and I'm quoting her now, we are not a racist country. We have never been a racist country. Do you agree that the U.S. has never been a racist country? Well, the U.S. Uh, is not a, a racist country, and we've overcome things in our history. You know, I think the founding fathers, they established a set of principles that are, that, that are universal. Now, they may not have been universally applied at the time, but I think they understood what they were doing. They understood that those principles would be the engine for progress for generations to come. And that, that's, what, that's what's happened. Um, I think the Republican Party uh, stands for merit and achievement and colorblindness. That is what we should stand for. So for example, in Florida, uh, I've eliminated things at our universities like this DE&I. They say it's diversity, equity, and inclusion, but it's really very ideological. Once again, the gaslighting. He can't say, yeah, of course America was a racist country, but we're not a racist country today. Why? Because he can't make the racist feel uncomfortable. That's the reason. This is all to one up each other in this massive race to the bottom. You see what's happening right in front of you. If they will literally lie about right now modern events, imagine what they've done to history, his story. Imagine how sanitized the reality of history is for us as we receive it through the academy. Imagine how brutal things actually were before that sanitization process took place. They are lying to us in real time about things that we can see with our own eyes, denying the very existence of racism. Now, let me make it very plain. When they deny racism, they're not denying a concept, they're denying you. They're denying 
me. They are denying our collective and independent experiences. And see, for them to be able to deny racism exists, don't think they won't knock on your door. Because if they can successfully say this has never existed, they can also say sexism was made up. They can say classism was a figment of your imagination. Do you understand? They're coming for all of it, every bit of it. All right. Fair thoughts here. You know, you took the words right out of my mouth because the fact that they can't admit that we have had structural racism in this country embedded in our very laws and our founding, the fact that they can't even admit that shows how racist this country still is because they are so afraid that these people that are still driving around with these Confederate flags on the back of their cars are going to revolt against them. And there's another even bigger irony here, too. It's not just that Nikki Haley says, no, there's no racism, and then talks about the racism she's personally experienced. She personally experienced it later that day. Donald Trump got on Truth Social, called her by her birth name, uh, Nimarada, although he misspelled it. But he did that as this dog whistle to his supporters to say, look at her real name. She's not like you. She's not welcome here. She is the daughter of Indian immigrants, and therefore she is not the same. So she can deny it all she wants, but she's literally experiencing it to this very day. And that is what the Republican Party knows. That is why Donald Trump did that. And DeSantis knows the same thing. And so what what they do is they try to erase it. You know, DeSantis sitting there bragging about, oh, I got rid of the D-E-N-I. Well, you also banned critical race theory so that this new generation can't even learn about all of the horrible things that have happened throughout American history. You're trying to rewrite quite literally the history of this country to make your party feel better when they go to sleep at night. That is what we're dealing with. They're denying today's reality. They're denying history. And it's only going to get worse as they continue to to grab this power at the state level and try to legislate everything out of existence to where we're we're just a nation that has no clue of what we were actually founded uh, upon here. And it's nothing to be proud of. It is something we should address. It is something we should say we need to do better, but they don't want to do better. They would love nothing more than to go back to either, you know, the way things were in the late 1700s or possibly the, you know, mid 1900s even. They're okay with that because they pretend it doesn't exist. And if anyone is still wondering what they meant by make America great again, please understand the current rhetoric is what they meant. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Military employee allegedly stole $100 million from a youth program 
100 million. Put up the picture for a mask. Some zigs and zags in this story. Let me take you to Texas. Janet Yamanaka Mello, a U.S. Army civilian employee, is charged with attempting to defraud the government for more than 100 million in taxpayer funds. The federal grand jury indicted her on 10 counts of fraud, alleging that she diverted money from her job into a sham company she established that was supposed to be dedicated to addressing the physical and mental health needs of children. Now, you got to understand something. She had an organization. She likely had a plug. You know what I mean? The wink and the nod. Somebody hooked her up. Somebody gave her unfettered access. And she was able to divert this money into a programmatic model that did not really exist, according to the allegation. 100 million? Usually that comes with a lot of checks and balances. There's protocol for adherence to federal dollars. There's an update of effectiveness so that program compliance can be established. What happened to these safeguards? of taxpayer funding. The Justice Department released a statement which claimed Ms. Mello, who worked as a civilian financial program manager for Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, stole millions of army funds, quote, by submitting fraudulent paperwork that indicated an entity she controlled, child health, and youth lifelong development was entitled to receive funds from the military branch. Authorities say for almost seven years, seven years, she pulled the money from the 4-H military partnership program to fund this bogus enterprise under the guise that CHYLD would, quote, provide meaningful youth development opportunities for military-connected children. End quote. The indictment states that Ms. Mello played on the trust she had developed over the years with her supervisors and coworkers to secure the necessary approvals. Ms. Mello is now facing charges, including five counts of mail fraud, four counts of engaging in a monetary transaction exceeding $10,000 using unlawfully acquired proceeds, and one count of aggravated identity theft, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Each charge, each fraud charge, carries a potential prison sentence of up to 20 years. Each spending statute charge carries a maximum of 10 years each and a mandatory minimum of two years for the aggravated identity theft charge. If convicted as charged, Mello could be sentenced to a maximum of 142 years in prison. As per the statement, she represented to the government that her organization provided essential services to military members and their families. However, instead of fulfilling service orders, she allegedly misappropriated funds, used them, using them to acquire millions of dollars worth of jewelry, 
clothing, cars, and real estate. According to the court records, Melo purportedly utilized the embezzled funds to accumulate an extensive real estate portfolio, which included 31 properties. Among the holdings is approximately 3.1 million estate in Maryland, featuring eight bedrooms on 58 acres and a 55 car garage. Another property, Melo, has is approximately $1.1 million residence in San Antonio, Texas. In addition to her real estate holding, she possessed an impressive fleet of 78 vehicles would make Rick Ross jealous. Among her collection were notable cars such as a 1967 Chevrolet Camaro SS, a 66 Chevrolet Chevelle SS, a 66 Ford Mustang, a 54 Chevrolet Carvette, a 1935 Plymouth sedan, five Triumphs, Maserati, list goes on. 1954, Chevrolet Carvette, 66 Ford Mustang, five Mercedes Benzes, Aston Martins, two of them, two BMWs, Ferrari, 165 Racer, and we had to stop the list. It was too many. The estimated values of these vehicles range from about $100,000 to $200,000 each. Court records state she owned 16 Harley Davidson motorcycles. That range in age from 1911, seven single, to a 2021 Pan America. She also has a substantial collection of bling bling, more creatively. The DOJ claims she had over 18 million seized from six different bank accounts that were somehow tied to her name. The 57-year-old was further accused of repeatedly falsifying the digital signature of one of her supervisors to facilitate the release of the funds. The indictment, which was announced on December 6, 2023, also includes a note of forfeiture for the proceeds and properties acquired through the alleged criminal conduct. This means all of those assets, properties and money, may have to be turned over. One hundred million, seven years. What if she stopped in year six? Could she have gotten away with it? She stole enough money. And let's be frank, there are countries that will not extradite an American unless it is a violent crime. She stole enough money to hop, skip, and jump to a non-extradition country. Okay? She could have gotten away with it, which is another part of the insanity of this whole thing. A uh, hundred million, 78 vehicles, multiple homes, 55 car garage. Why? Why? Uh, the money was supposed to go to children, which means that you and I, our money that we pay in taxes, went somewhere else. Fraudulent, fraudulently went somewhere else. If people are concerned about the bottom line, taxes, why is this not front and center? Why do you not see candidates 
running for president, especially on the conservative side, talking about this. Why? You would imagine the fiscal conservatives would be all in a tizzing. Nope, that's not happening. The reason it's not happening is because talking about spending money, well, it's just not popular when Trump is the standard bearer of the party. Because people can easily bring up how much money he stole, I mean, spent. All right, uh, Mr. Cousins, thoughts? <clears throat> To me, there's just there's no way that this woman did this by herself. Right. I mean, you're you're looking at a hundred million dollars over seven years. Somebody at some point had to have raised some kind of suspicion, and I assume as this goes forward, we're going to learn a little more. Maybe she's willing to help throw a couple other people under the bus here. But you're you're working with other human beings in that office. Somebody at some point is going to say, "Hey, wait a minute." I've noticed that you drive a different car to work every day. Um, That's weird because I make the same salary as you and I'm struggling to make my car payments here. It's not like you're a CEO. How do you have this? How do you have this wonderful home that you're always jetting off to somebody? I mean, because look, we've all worked in offices. We've worked with other people. Everybody knows certain things and we notice certain things. You come into the office Wearing a you know eighty thousand dollar necklace, somebody is going to say, "Whoa, whoa, that that's a little rich for this area." Somebody somewhere had to have raised some kind of suspicion, and somebody higher up had to have ignored that. And yeah. I think this is just the head of it, right? This is the the rotting head of the fish. But we're going to find the rest of it, and we need to. And this is also a good indication of how there's just so little accountability for Pentagon spending across the board. This is why they failed every audit for the last right. six years. Somebody should have noticed a hundred million dollars disappearing. And suddenly, you know, this regular worker has all these mansions, all these cars. No, I do not believe she did this on her own. She may have, you know, slipped somebody a little something here and there. You know, we don't know, but this investigation it definitely has got to go deeper because there's no way somebody can pull this off unless they're just a super villain, uh, you know, level of criminality here. Somebody else had to have known and turned a blind eye to it, at least one other person. Yeah. And the thing is, the protocols obviously were completely relaxed as the federal government has alluded um, because of her relationships. Um, that is obviously bad to manipulate your friends and coworkers. But the reality is those protocols are not there uh, because it's a good idea. They are there because it is not their money. Uh, it is our money. Nobody requested a picture of the children. Like, did y'all go to summer camp? Anything, nothing. You're not required to give any information about $100 million. You can't hide $100 million. Um, you may be able to hide $100,000, but you can't hide $100 million. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on him for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel free! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. What are you doing? What are you doing that for? Hey? Why are you doing that? You've attacked my son's car three times. You pulled the sticker off it. Are you quite legal to park over somebody's drive? 
Miss Idrot, don't get too close, please, because I don't want to breathe the same air as you. Well, you are, unfortunately, yes. Well, it's corona, if you don't mind, so keep back off. You back off. You stop vandalising my son's car, all right? You're a bully. Why am I? You're a thief. Just get her in, will you? You like stealing from your workplace. Why am I stealing from a workplace? You're a criminal. Now? Why am I a criminal? Well, for one, you're using your phone, aren't you? Oh, it's good evidence, isn't it? You know, their accents make everything a little more less intense than it should be. Put it up full mass. Now, I must say, the individual recording is a brave soul. He stood toe to toe with a UK Karen and has lived to tell about, at least we hope he's alive. The video survived at least. Um, according to her, she saw him committing a crime. Well, he's actually a postal worker, all right? So uh, the metal pole, I can't really explain that. Don't know where it came from. I thought it was a cane at a point, but the more I looked at it, I said, no, that's not it. Uh, Farron, you got any thoughts here? I mean, <laughs> Karenicity is a global epidemic. It, it apparently is. You know, it's it's one of the United States' top exports at this point. <laughs> right. But you know, it really it all comes down to just this. I, I I know a lot of it has to do with just these overprivileged individuals. But in this case, you look at this one. It's like this just seems like a woman who has nothing better. It's almost boredom. She's just out looking for something to be upset about. You know, I, I mean, the, the street looks like there's nobody on it. There's nothing happening right now. You know, just very calm and quiet. And she comes out and is like, I need to cause a fuss. There needs to be something interesting in my life. I, I, I Something's me. So maybe this is the only human interaction I can get. Maybe this is the only excitement I can get. But take up a hobby. You know, uh, go find something you could do. Get a video game if you want. It doesn't matter. But these folks are just ruining people's lives, ruining people's days. And, and there's no reason for any of it. It's the overprivileged. And, and again, I think sometimes these people are just out looking for a fight because they got nothing better to do. It, it, it's sickening, really. Yeah. And listen, we provide a PSA here, an opportunity at reflection that may lead to correction. We don't want Karenicity to be a thing. But if it is, make sure you send the video to indisputable at tyt.com. A woman decides to register to vote. She's told she can. She's off probation. She tries to vote. She's arrested. They try to incarcerate her for years. It gets overturned after reporting from Indisputable and other outlets. It gets overturned. She is now running for the US Senate. Put up the picture for a mask. If you remember, Ms. Pamela Moses, Tennessee, she is now vying to represent the state. In the US Senate, following an unjust voter fraud prison sentence that was, in fact, summarily overturned. Ms. Moses is set to run as an independent instead of a Democrat. I'm going to explain some dynamics about her platform. 
The Black Lives Matter Tennessee founder gained national attention for her legal case involving a prison sentence for attempting to register to vote while on probation, unaware that it violated Tennessee state law. Her case sparked discussions about the treatment of formerly incarcerated individuals trying to restore their rights. And I want to remind you some of the detail from the original saga. Her probation officer believed that she was able to register to vote according to the original narrative. That information was left off the table, not counted as true evidence, even though everyone knew it to be true. There's more. As for uh, the criminal history, Moses faced charges of voter fraud after trying to regain her voting rights which were revoked during her probation from earlier felony convictions. She received a six year prison sentence, January 2022. However, the charges were later dropped by Amy Werich, a former Shelby County DA, following the discovery that the Tennessee Department of Correction had withheld evidence that could have cleared Moses. Ms. Moses said of her Senate run, quote, I've been in Tennessee all my life. I've lived here, but I've traveled abroad, Moses said. I'm the founder of BLM Tennessee and the Memphis chapter. And I was falsely imprisoned by a district attorney who was considered by Harvard to be the most vindictive prosecutor in America. They have this list. Moses continued, quote, I overcame that horrible experience. And after reflecting on it, I've decided that I don't want that to happen to anybody else. And, and locally and regionally, it's very hard to get real change. The real change starts at the top. And so that's one reason why I've been elected to run for United States Senate in Tennessee. I'll put up the picture, the pictures. Um, she seeks to challenge Republican incumbent Marsha Blackburn. Moses will also face off against Tennessee State Rep Gloria Johnson of Knoxville, okay? And Silver Miller Watkins of Fayette County, who have filed to run as Democrats. Uh, obviously, running as an independent in any jurisdiction is a tough uphill battle, just given the layout, the design, the parameters of politics in America. But I want to say this for anyone who may be struggling with the reality that's in front of them, put her picture up again. Put up the picture of Ms. Moses. Ms. Moses has already won. She's already won. She's already a winner. They tried to put this woman in prison for six years for registering to vote. Do you understand they did not do that? That kind of sentence was extreme and unheard of even in the 60s. Six years in prison for a black person registering to vote? Six years. She was sentenced to six years. It got overturned. 
Now, it was a conspiracy because the Tennessee Department of Correction decided to intentionally withhold evidence. That is obstruction. Who's getting charged at the Department of Corrections? Nobody. Nobody. They attempted to create a hostage from this human being. They wanted her to be silenced, not because she had the audacity to register to vote while being on a probated sentence, even though there was ambiguity with the probation office itself. That's not the actual thing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Why did they actually prosecute this case? Why did they ignore all normative law and judicial standards? Because they needed to make an example out of what they considered to be a loud black woman who was unapologetic about her position and her political stance. And they found a small opening, registered to vote. Hell, they didn't even wait for the woman to vote. The mere registration of it got her arrested. She decided to transform, transmute that negative energy. This is how you win. Take the energy they give you and convert it into power for yourself. All of our systems come down to one thing, people, us. You cannot transform systems without transforming people. When we get good people in bad systems, systems all of a sudden start working better. You don't transform systems, you transform people. All right, fair thoughts. You know, this is such a, starts off obviously as a very horrible story with a very good ending, you know, and that to me is kind of what this is all about. Like you're saying, transforming that energy, because this is an individual that has been put through it, selectively prosecuted, you know, intentionally targeted Department of Corrections, obstructing to punish her, to set an example of her as a warning to every other person in that state who may want to do the same thing. Listen up. This is what we will do to you, and we will corrupt the system to do it to you. And instead of getting beaten down by it, now running for Senate. And like you said, it's tough. I mean, it's tough even in a swing district to run as an independent. But this is going to elevate her story. It's going to elevate, you know, where this is happening all over the country. You know, my state of Florida, this has been a big issue where they're rounding up, you know, a lot of non-white people for registering to vote, even though they're legally allowed to. They even had to change the law down here in Florida to say, even if the state tells you you're allowed to vote, if you're not, that's now on you. You know, it's your job to say that the state is wrong for letting you vote. Uh, But this is such an inspirational story. And I do love the fact that she's nailing it on the head. Like change starts at the top. If you want to actually see change, you're not going to get it. If you're going to the voting booth every two years and voting for the same member of Congress, every six years you're voting for that same senator and they still get a 14% approval rating overall. If you want change, sometimes you have to do it yourself. And who better to do it than the people that have experienced 
what it can be like when the system actively works against you. Those are the kinds of people we need in office. These are the kinds of people we need to see running this year. The people that have been through it, because those are the only ones who understand what it's like to be an average person. You know, we have too many people that run for office from positions of privilege. They've been there their whole lives. You know, my 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 dad was in office. My dad's dad was in office. It's in the family. This woman came, and she is hoping to change the system. And I hope she. I I hope against all odds she makes this happen, because this would be remarkable, and this would be a signal that the U.S. maybe just Tennessee, maybe it sparks us, but maybe we're really ready for that change, and we're ready to put real people in positions of power in this country. That's right. Well said. And for those who watch the show in Tennessee, give Ms. Moses a second look. Because when you support candidates like her, you never lose. Because even if she does not win, you give her enough support. You know what does win? Her policies. Because the people who make it to the runoff or the individuals who move on, they now need her endorsement. Her endorsement comes with policies connected to it. I don't need personalities to win. I don't need people to win. I need my policies to win, all right? All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Bill O'Reilly supported the book ban. Say yes to Santos, take those books. Off the shelves, take them out of those schools. That's right, DeSantis. And all of a sudden, Bill's books, Bill O'Reilly's books, were also taken away and banned. Now, Bill O'Reilly is saying they must be returned. This is a tragedy. Put them up, full mass. This is such a beautiful thing, beautiful moment here. In Florida, Escambia County School District has at least temporarily removed more than 1,000 titles from its shelves. Because those books have been alleged to contain um, obscene depictions of sexual conduct. Those include Bill O'Reilly's Killing Jesus, A History and Killing Reagan, The Violent Assault That Changed the Presidency. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed the law back in March of 2022, and it was championed by Bill O'Reilly. So Newsweek reached out to O'Reilly and he told them, quote, it's absurd, preposterous. Anytime your response has the word preposterous, you're doing too much. Does not, you do not need that. This is not an SAT. All right. When DeSantis signed the book law, I supported the theme because there was abuse going on in Florida. There were far left progressive people trying to impose an agenda on children. There's no doubt about it. And the state has an obligation to protect children. But the wording of the law was far too nebulous in Tallahassee. So, that law needs to be tightened up, O'Reilly says. DeSantis needs to come out publicly and say, this is insane. 
We're not going to cooperate with this. And we're going to investigate the people who did it, O'Reilly said. Um, DeSantis is the one who really did it, O'Reilly. He's the one that created the law, that created the infrastructure to allow this to happen. Got to keep up here. O'Reilly also said that he and his team, they plan to investigate this. Um, Man, I hate to do this. Bill has a team of a part-time producer, just one. Sir, I save that for later. Uh, so they're going to investigate this, adding that he will find out exactly who made the decisions to temporarily take out of the library in this country, take the book out of the library of this country. I'm going to put their pictures up on television, on my website. I'm going to ask them for a detailed explanation of why they did that. Let me tell you something. If you're going to give them all their free publicity, damn it, I'll go to Florida and take your books off the shelves myself. Put it up. O'Reilly's having a breakdown here. O'Reilly posted on X. A Florida counter removes my books, killing Jesus and killing Reagan from the school libraries. Preposterous. We are investigating and we are seeking comment from Governor Ron DeSantis. So he tags Governor DeSantis. You know, Governor DeSantis is aware of the outrage from O'Reilly, okay? This will not stand, O'Reilly says. And then uh, updates on BillOReilly.com. So uh, here's what they've turned up so far. Here it is. So we started to do some investigating. Obviously, there's an abuse of power going on. And we got the usual runaround. But we did get a woman named Julia Friedland, the deputy press secretary for Ron DeSantis. Okay, there's Julia. Now, I knew that Julia was going to be snooty, arrogant, and dismissive. I knew that because I know how the DeSantis office operates in Tallahassee. If you don't kiss DeSantis's ring, they get snippy. And it's exactly what Julia did. Basically, you told us, go F off. Okay. So DeSantis did not issue any kind of a comment at all. He should come out and say, as governor of Florida, I'm not going to sanction this. That's what Ron DeSantis should do. But he won't do it. Bill, I think you're confused here. Um, she represents the governor's office, which means it was DeSantis who told you to F off, not her. She represents him. Once again, I need you to keep up. All right. However, previously, uh, O'Reilly had shown, um, you know, this is what he said about some education reforms, other things, including supporting the don't say gay bill. This guy has been a cheerleader for DeSantis. Now he's saying things like, we must kiss his hand in order to get something done. Sir, nobody want those tired ass inaccurate books. Have you read your book review of Snopes? Come on, man. They should have been banned before the law. All right, here it is. I say, good. Because those young children 
They don't understand all this gender identity, fluidity, LBGBT, whatever. They don't get it. All right. So what are you doing? You're indoctrinating. That's what this is all about. The uh, activists want children in public school to be indoctrinated to look favorably upon a certain lifestyle. You can solve all of this problem by every state in the union passing a law that requires public schools from kindergarten through senior in high school to give anti-bullying classes. I mean, when I was a high school teacher, if a kid was perceived to be gay, that kid got it. Brutal. And it was wrong. And I did what I could to stop it. And I stopped a lot of it. All right. But I didn't get into different lifestyles or any of that, even though I was teaching high school. So anyway, I like the uh, don't say gay law, but I want an anti-bullying law to go along with it. I think that's fair. Ah, oh, okay. Here's more. Media, the progressive media, wants you to believe that United States persecutes, and that's the word, persecutes African-Americans, particularly police. Now, there are millions of people who believe that. Okay? They do. And they want this to be in the elementary schools starting at age six. You can imagine if that happens. So all throughout the elementary school, high school, and college, all the student will hear is that white people are oppressing black people in their country. So if you're a minority student, you're angry. If you're a white student, you don't know what to think. What do you think? Am I bad? Am I a bad person? Are my parents bad? Are we, are we oppressing? This is what they want, because this creates confusion and divisiveness. Well, I'm against critical race theory, madam. Because it's bull. There isn't an organized cabal in this country trying to keep down blacks and minorities. It doesn't exist. You know, in full transparency, I've debated Bill O'Reilly, uh, mopped the floor with him. And I would challenge Bill O'Reilly to come on this show. We'll have him on the bullpen. And Bill, I would like to debate you directly on critical race theory. I don't think you understand what it is because I've actually heard you literally acknowledge critical race theory without calling it critical race theory. When you talk about systems or structured racism in academia, we call it structural racism. That means these documents, call it the Constitution, call it the Declaration of Independence, whatever document you would like to choose. These documents have codified inside of them institutional racism. For example, calling Native American savages. That is institutional, structural racism. The Chinese Exclusion Act, which was a federal law. Structural racism. Jim Crow, 
local laws, ordinances, et cetera, that only applied to black people. Structured, structural racism. Critical race theory is a research, qualitative, contrast design meant to compare and analyze cause and effect relationships between the structured elements of our societal reality and outcomes. Real simple. Uh, that invitation is open for all of 2024, Bill. All right, Farron, thoughts here. Uh, the, the book bans that uh, Bill O'Reilly is so angry about at the moment, uh, this is unfortunately my uh, where I live, uh, right here in Florida. This is me. Uh, well, I'm not doing it, by the way. But this is our district. This is our county. And, yeah. you know, I, I want Bill O'Reilly to be very, very clear here. Uh, okay, yes, DeSantis signed the law, but I want you to understand that these book bans are coming from conservatives. This is a deep red district of Florida right here where this is happening. This is one of the reddest districts in Florida being uh, uh, basically there is one uh, high school English teacher in Escambia County who has uh, uh, challenged is what they call them hundreds of books. And so she, this right winger, is leading this crusade. So Bill O'Reilly, everybody that you're mad at, every step along the way, including the school board in Escambia County, it's all Republicans, each and every one of them. And it reminds me of a great quote. I believe it's from Oscar Wilde. There's two great tragedies in life. One is not getting what you want. The other is getting it. And Bill O'Reilly is finding out the tragedy of getting what Right now, because you wanted this bill, you called for it, you supported it, and uh oh, turns out everybody is a target at this point. I mean, we're, we've we've removed dictionaries, we've right. removed the Guinness Book of World Records, we're removing encyclopedias for God's sake. Twenty eight hundred books in total sitting here waiting for this so called review process that's now been you know several years backlogged. And it's getting worse, but it is all being driven by right-wing parents. So Bill O'Reilly, if you know, after you debate Dr. Ritchie here, I'd be more than happy to have you come down to this district. And I will take you personally, I will drive you to that school board and I will sit there patiently while you chew each and every one of those Republicans out. I would love to see it. So that's my invitation to you. Come on down. And let's see if you're willing to take on your own party just to get your stupid little books back on the shelves. <laughs> Looks like Bill's a popular guy, got a lot of invites. All right. <laughs>
Uh, she said she was repeatedly called the N-word by her white classmates. They taunted her. Her suit reports, Claire was one of three black students in a district of more than 2,000 students. The teenager said white students would often, quote, call me, call me the N-word or say the N-word in a sentence. And they'll look at me for a reaction, you know, kind of like what grown people do today. Uh, Clara added that she did not know how to react at first. That while she heard the word before, she had never been called it. Eventually, she would laugh alone. What else are you supposed to do? Like, the jokes aren't funny, but you're just like, Everybody else is laughing, so you got to laugh too, end quote. So sad. The, according to the lawsuit, Malik was taunted by white students on a nearly daily basis with racial slurs and threats, pulling out a hair. Students taunted the child with phrases like, go back to the plantation and pick cotton. And your hair looks like ish, end quote. The lawsuit also alleges an incident where Clara told the students to stop using the N-word and was blatantly ignored. One student responded, free speech N-word. The complaint says, just days later, the lawsuit claims Clara was told all the N-words will be shot after school today at 3 p.m. A teacher was scheduled to protect Clara by walking her to her class following the threat, but was heard saying Clara was playing the race card. And which is what blacks do. The teacher also allegedly said the teen deserved what she got. The racial abuse prompted her father, Rob, to plead with the school for them to step in. However, the alleged abuse continued. And more faculty members also displayed racist behavior. Let me explain what's happening right now in the narrative. It doesn't matter what your rules say. It does not matter what the policy says. Culture will eat policy alive every day of the week, 24 hours a day. They are affixed to a common culture. Policy be damned. Naturally, there are rules against bullying. There is a penalty against or for profanity and racist language. All of this is codified in the school discipline book. They did not follow it because their culture trumped all. Put up the picture. So the family actually filed a discrimination complaint with the Michigan Department of Civil Rights on November 12, 2021, noting the racial discrimination Claire faced by both the faculty and students and the hostile environment she endured, including one student wearing a Confederate flag to school and not being disciplined at all. The second, the school board then passed a resolution to quote, reaffirm the commitment to its existing anti-discrimination policy. What? The school board reaffirmed its commitment. Yes. Now we, we've reaffirmed it now. That should, that should do it. Uh, but it was ineffective. Claire reports that days after that meeting, she was told by a white student, I hate all you black B words. After the student threatened Claire by aiming a slingshot with scissors at her head and said he was going to cut her with a knife. 
the Malik's filed a police report. Now, you, you hear in the lawsuit, in the filing, I'm quoting what the students allegedly said, but I want you to understand the spirit behind it. The students are typically saying what their parents have allowed them to say at home or what the parents themselves are saying at home. You have to be careful what you say around your children because while they may not always be listening, they are always learning. They are always learning. Put them up. The family filed a suit, a lawsuit against the school district in May of 2022, as well as the Crosswell Lexington Board of Education, Principal Kyle Wood on the left and the superintendent of schools, Dan Gilbertson on the right, after the school failed to stop the abuse. The bullying caused Clara to say she wished she was white. And she was diagnosed with anxiety, depression, and PTSD as if she had been to war. Clara told her parents that she cannot handle the harassment any longer. And she took classes virtually before her parents took her out of the school permanently in the spring of 2022. The lawsuit also notes that the school's deliberate indifference to the racial harassment and bullying also caused Claire's parents to experience extreme emotional and mental distress and deprived them of their right to control their daughter's education. They're asking for compensatory economic and non-economic damages, exemplary damages, punitive damages, and court cost. It's unfortunate that civil courts have to be utilized to enforce what should be normative rules as it relates to the care of our children. We all agree that bullying has no place regardless of its context. But it seems as if racism, when there's a racial dynamic, it becomes negotiable. How many times have we been here where a student has said they keep bullying me, but if the bullying comes in form of racism, somehow it's much more tolerated than other forms of bullying. This is the way to enforce your rights, utilizing the courts. All right, fair thoughts here. Well, first of all, I'm pretty sure Nikki Haley told us that this is not a racist country. That's correct. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how this could happen in not a racist country. But you bring up a, an amazing point that I feel needs to be reiterated here. These students, they learned this behavior from somewhere. You know, this is either coming from the home, they're comfortable enough that they hear maybe their parents say it, perhaps it's the grandparents, whoever. But this, this, you know, this is the indoctrination. This is a learned behavior that these students are taking with them. And it's a learned behavior that they will eventually attempt to pass on to their kids, whether they mean to or not. And so that is one of the most disgusting parts. And that is how racism continues to live here in the United States. And it's also worth pointing out that clearly this family didn't want to sue. This is yeah. not what they wanted. They tried multiple times to get the school to enforce their own policies and just protect their daughter. And the school failed and failed and failed. And just like we've seen so many times, it doesn't matter if it's you know a, a case like this. It doesn't matter if it's a, a, a pharmaceutical lawsuit 
or you know anything like that, an environmental lawsuit, the institutions that are there to protect us fail. The institutions that are supposed to be the ones that handle these problems, that punish the bad people, they don't do it. So it has to be done to civil court. You know, the, the only thing they end up responding to is losing money. It doesn't matter again if it's a CEO, if it's a school district, if it's a police department. The institutions are supposed to handle it, but across the board, top to bottom, they fail us. And so we have to rely on plaintiff's lawyers to come in yep. and, and do the work that the government, again, from local to state to federal level, should be doing, but they're not. And the plaintiff's lawyers is some of the biggest. And, and admittedly, look, I work and have worked at a plaintiff's law firm for 20 years, so I'm a little biased, but they're the real unsung heroes Yep. That actually are, are are helping everyone in this country because nobody else is doing it. Yeah, well said. Very well said. We will update the story as it develops. We got more on the other side. Indisputable stick and stay. A damn shame. School teacher, okay, for years inappropriately touched children. Make some kind of deal. Where the prosecutor avoids jail time, gets only probation, put him up for a mask. How did this happen? James Eskert, a now former Connecticut elementary school teacher, reached an agreement with prosecutors to avoid what could have been a substantial prison sentence over allegations that he inappropriately touched numerous children who were under his leadership. As a teacher, he did this for years. Details of the misconduct. The former educator taught in the Plymouth school system since 1998. That all changed September 2021 when a former student, then a middle school teacher, complained to Ellie Terry Jr. Middle School Principal Angela Suffrage about past alleged misconduct. The teacher was initially arrested by the local police. January 24th, 2022, the complaint alleges inappropriate conduct between Mr. Esker and several juveniles who were his students at the time of the incidents, end quote. Some students allege the then teacher often invited girls to sit on his lap and forced girls to stay inside with him during recess, police say. The teacher allegedly took sexualized photos of the girls while they were in school. A camera recovered by authorities is said to have revealed 26 inappropriate images. Two of the pictures allegedly showed a close-up of a female student's growing area while she was performing a cartwheel. Three images were taken from ground level and showed female students seated in a manner which exposed their groin and underwear. The affidavit says these are children. He's their teacher. One girl said the teacher would often give girls paper to decorate underneath his desk while he positioned his genitals. In her face or another girl's face, according to the affidavit. This is sick as hell, isn't it? That same girl said a teacher would sometimes touch himself over his clothing. While other students said the teacher was a big hugger, but only with girls, never with boys. Police claimed sometimes he would invite girls to his home, allegedly telling them they could stay for dinner. Multiple other educa educators were arrested in connection with the case, alleging they swept the accusations 
against that piece of trash under the rug. Their state has a duty to report. They did not report, they were arrested. That's how you enforce it. Let me give you details of the sentencing. That's outrageous. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, James Eskert, 53 years of age, received a suspended sentence. That means the judge suspended the time after conviction. Received a suspended sentence in a new Britain Superior Court after accepting um, legal culpability on one count, one of risk of injury to a minor, a felony. He was previously charged with five such counts, as well as two misdemeanor counts of sexual assault in the fourth degree and could have spent well over 50 years in prison. That's where he should be, okay? The disgraced ex-teacher did not, however, plead guilty or no contest, but rather entered an Alfred plea. That's allowed. When you enter an Alfred plea, the court has to allow you to do so, in which a defendant maintains he is innocent, but concedes the state has enough evidence to convict. The threat of prison still looms for Escort Judge Maureen Keegan sentenced him to five years probation. He also uh, is subject to a suspended 10-year jail sentence if he violates the terms of his probation, according to a courtroom report at the Hartford Current. I don't understand this. I don't get this. None of this makes sense at all. At all. Nobody had to take the Alfred plea. That's a that's the thing the court has to agree to take. Okay. Why would the prosecutors charge him and then let it go? Why not prosecute? or at least get a guilty plea on the actual charges to save the uh, victims from having to testify. You got nothing, you got nothing. Um, Somebody has to look into this deeper because there's something that's going on here. This kind of sentencing does not happen just because. There's a reason this happened. We just don't know what it is yet. Uh, Fair thoughts here. Yeah, you know, this is very similar, uh, you know, reminds me of, I guess I should say, you know, the Epstein, Conviction where he got the super light prison sentence of 18 months, was allowed to come and go each day. And we find out later on, okay, well, you've got a lot of people involved in it, tied to him. He's got money and power. This guy doesn't necessarily have that. So what is happening behind the scenes? You've got this guy cold. He's even admitting, hey, you've got enough evidence that I'm going away for the rest of my life. What happened? Who's involved? Those are questions that have to be answered in this district, this county. They've got to get to the bottom of this. Somebody outside needs to call for an investigation. They've got to do what yep. they've got to do because no, 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 there's there's way more than we're being told right now. That's right. And unfortunately, there are more victims that likely did not come forward. So what's the problem? Uh, they've asked you to leave, so they have the right to refuse service to anyone for any what, given reason. What are, I'm saying, I'm saying, I just walked in, right? Mm-hmm. I'm being real with you, brother. Okay. I just walked in, I ain't say nothing to nobody. I walked straight and looked in the mirror. 
This guy right here got the camera on me. Mm-hmm. I said, bro, I just walked in. I said, you ain't give me no time to, like, you feel me? Even right. look at what I want. Right. Right? Right. It's not yeah. even been 30 seconds. I walked in the Ferragamo stove, and this man already questioned me if you need help. I said, no, I'm still looking. Well, that's that's part of their job. They're just supposed I to said, no, you. I you said, know? no, I'm still looking. Yeah. With all due respect, right? Right. So then he wants to keep, like, he want to, oh, if you want to look in the mirror, then you can go somewhere else. I'm like, excuse me, sir. You don't know who you're talking to right now. With all due respect, I'm going to keep it positive. I say all the ne- negative energy you have, I'm going to take, take it somewhere else and redirect it somewhere else. Okay. Did, did she ask you to leave? Already? I, did. I, don't okay. really, I don't really know her. At the end of the day, she asked me, did I need help? I told her I did not need help. I was well, in a mirror. So this is the thing. The they, they work here. It, there's, a, there's, a, it's cool, there's a business. Slime. It's cool. So if, it's cool. If it's this a business you, too. I'm a business too, son. So you you can decide who you want to do business with, correct? Exactly. Okay, and they don't. They would. Exactly. They requested you to be removed from the store. So Brother, please leave. Listen, with all due respect, I'm not worried about none of these people. I'm gonna go about my business. But what y'all ain't finna do is try to play me like I'm a whole son. I'm not. Nobody's trying to play you, sir. All right, I'm just letting We're you just know. Being respectful. Then it gets even more interesting. Here it is. Before I leave. What's the problem with you again? What's my problem? What I do to you? I have nothing you? else to say to you. Huh? I have nothing else what to I say do to you? you. Pablo is asking for you to leave. What I do? Did you hear what I just said? I'm saying you said I got to go. You asked me a question so and I asked I you to leave. What I do though? Sir. What I do to offend you? What I do if to you offend you? don't leave, I have to call more guards to have you escorted out of our You store. can do whatever you have to do. Okay, I'm just I'm letting just you know what the option is. The quicker right? you answer the question, the quicker I'll I don't have to answer your question, Then call your people then. Okay. That's being done. Call your people That's being then. Done as we're being God bless you. Call your people then. It's Blue Slime Baby checking in on Slime. God bless you, Queen. So, again. Matter of fact, I'm finna buy me a belt. Slime. I want this belt right here. With all due respect, I want that belt right here. I want the belt. I'm gonna buy the belt. I want the belt. I want the belt. I do. I have the money to purchase this belt. I want this belt. I want this belt. I want this belt. Slime, y'all see that on his, they don't even want to sell me designer, bro. Why you want to sell it to me? Make your money. I got the money on my car right now. I want the girl. Queen, I'm, I'm meddling it like you. I'm looking, I'm talking to you. You on video. At the end of the day, I never disrespected you, Queen. This is on Did video. Did you ask her if you could record her? At the, at the end, I have the right to record, brother. No, 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 That's my no, right, no, bro. Private property. That's my no, right, not. bro. That's you're my not right, bro. Not on private property. No, you're not. Bro, I'm Congress. You don't know who I am, bro. Okay. God bless you, bro. Thank I you. keep telling you that. With all due respect, I want to purchase that belt. Okay. They're not allowing you, you to purchase, purchase anything today. Then one more person comes to the party. Here it is. Like I said, I got the money for the belt. I want the belt. That's on God. Bro, describe me all day. They, I'm doing my job. Just God bless you, job. bro. It's like, I don't know why you looking at me like I got face. I said God bless you like so many times Thank in the you. video. Thank you. I really mean that. I like your little VVS ones you got in your ear, too. Listen, with all due respect, my name is Samuel. I came in to purchase a belt, and they didn't even give me the chance to, like, it was 30 seconds went by. I'm already being racially profiled, sir. I came in, I looked in the mirror, just came from school, and I said, hey, I'm looking in the mirror right now. She wanted to tell me that I could not look in the mirror in here. She wanted to tell me that I had to leave. And I asked her, what's the reason? I never damaged any property. I never disrespected nobody. I let her know who I am. I'm Trey Trey, that age. I'm NBA young boy people. At the end of the day, 
I finally made a decision and I want to purchase that belt. And she told me that I couldn't purchase the belt. And I don't understand like what, what, what seems to be the problem. That's it. Now, sir, if you want me to leave, I will. That's, that's, that's up to you. I'll just walk out. No, did you want to buy the belt? Yes, sir, I did. I wanted to price it and everything. No, you want to buy it now? Yes, sir. So first and foremost, none of that. Um, you did not specify what belt. I did ask if he needed a certain. But if, if there's a belt, you want to buy it. Yes, sir. That came after security from the mall would call that he decided he wanted to get it. Yeah, thank you. No, if you want to buy a belt. Thank you. What's on your belt? I wear a 32. He's recording this as well, Peter, which he's not allowed to report us, but he's anyway. Out of nowhere, I was being so polite because this is a woman. I don't disrespect females. She mentioned that she would call extra guards to escort me out of here. So with me being by myself, I had the natural thought process of to pull out my camera and record. That's anybody. In a situation like that, authorities coming, your natural thought process is what? Pull out a phone. I don't know what the problem is. I told her I'm meddling it, she meddling it. God bless her. She a queen, I'm a king. I don't know what the problem is here. Wow. I'll put up his picture. This is one of those stories that came across a social media feed. A couple of people tagged me. I wanted to make sure that we requested more information. I want more information. No one ever said at one time during the video we have why he was being told to leave. Even when seemingly another colleague came, he was not told why this person offended to such a degree that they needed to be escorted out by guards. I want to say this to the young man. I understand you were in a difficult situation. This is not a great lesson to learn. But remember to go places you are celebrated and not tolerated. I hope. You never step foot in that establishment again. Um, fair thoughts. Uh, two things, real quick. One, the part where he said, "You know, you called authorities, so it's my natural instinct to pull out my phone and start." That's that's one of the saddest things I've ever heard. It's yeah. absolutely true, true, and it is necessary. But the the fact that it's necessary is what is so sad. I mean, we we have a whole generation that, that understands, like, uh oh. A police are arriving or an authority figure is arriving. I have to film this. This this may be the last thing I ever film. Yep. That's what's so heartbreaking about that. And just for the security guard, dude, you need to learn a little bit more about the law there because you're on private property in a public place where there is no reasonable expectation of privacy. There you go. That filming is 100% allowed. It's 100% allowed. And once again, I will echo what you've said, dear brother. Uh, even if it is privately owned, but publicly accessible, and there is no expectation of privacy, people are allowed to record. Okay, brother, always good to have you on the show. Farron, if you would, give people all the information, how they can follow you, check out your great work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the big one is uh, Ring of Fire YouTube's channel, youtube.com slash The Ring of Fire. We're only 10,000 subscribers away from 1 million. So come on, Wait folks, come through for us. Get Hold there. on. Wait yeah. a minute. We, you and I may need to get into a friendly competition. Hold on. Hold on. Let's let's see where Indisputable is at right now uh, because we're not far from you, dear brother. Um, we are, uh-oh, it's coming. Okay. We're at 985,000. We got 15,000 before we hit a million. Okay. Friendly competition.
<laughs> you've you've done it much faster than me so so full kudos to you and your show is amazing i love it man i and, love uh, your show brother well thank you it, it's always a pleasure to be here with you i hope i can uh, uh make it happen more often absolutely we shall do that iron sharpens iron my friend we'll talk very soon all right thank you thank you all right remember take care of yourself take care of each other take care of the planet remember the truth is always indisputable Thank <laughs> you.